One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. For a lot of parents, Getting your little one to eat variety isn't always the easiest of tasks. But with Yo Valley's new little Yo yogurt pouches, you no longer have to worry. Made from British organic whole milk and organic fruit purees, you can relax knowing that you will be supported in reaching their important milestones. With live cultures, the little Yo pouches are perfect for supporting and nurturing healthy, happy tummies, ideal for weaning and allows your babies to explore new flavors from as young as six months. Available in those two delicious flavors, which come in recyclable pouches, these little Yo yogurts are perfect for snacking and on the go. To find out more, head to yovalley.co.uk and find it in your local supermarkets. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast that's on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Many of us don't stop to consider how much we're drinking, and in lots of cases, it can be more than we realize. It can often be that trip to the doctor that forces you to really think about how much you are consuming week on week. For some, this might just be the realization that you're actually drinking in excess with a reliance on alcohol that you didn't even know really existed. This week's Food for Thought sees myself and mental health nurse Mark Holmes, who specializes in substance misuse, delve into alcohol and addiction to explore how it can change us and what we can do to prevent this from happening. Hello, Mark. Hello, good morning. Good morning. We are recording this. It feels like the crack of dawn to me, to be honest, Mark. But um, the conversation we're about to have probably is something people would associate, you think, stereotypically with the evening habits, but actually for some it could be all day long. So we know that the health implications of drinking alcohol are pretty strong. Would it be better for us all, on a whole, if we were just teetotal? No, that's a good question. I mean, we... If we look at it, if alcohol, yeah, we know that alcohol is is, a, is highly carcinogenic. We know there's a link there between alcohol and cancer. We know that it's linked to sixty different medical conditions. There's always that balance as well about being human and looking for new experiences, and we're social creatures. And and for some people, alcohol uh, plays a really important part in that. So, um, in a in a way, alcohol. I can just talk for my own personal life is that I wouldn't have met my wife. Uh, we probably wouldn't have had my three children without the aid of alcohol. Um, so um, uh, so our, the, our relationship with alcohol as humans is, is, is very much complex. We think we've been probably doing it from from state of evolution. So uh, 
Um, so to actually say we're going to get rid of this substance, um, uh, then that's 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 not going to happen. Um, and it's also it's been aware of that really that is that uh, people often say oh, we should ban it. You know, if alcohol was a new substance that was coming out, we'd ban it. That that's probably true, but actually. Uh, but it hasn't. We've grown up around it. You know, the way that we process alcohol, the way we've evolved um, is, is because we've been we're living side by side with it, um, um, you know, throughout our evolutionary cycle. That's such a wonderfully put um, balanced point of view, which is very, very true. I think um, it's so ingrained in us as human beings. It's such an interesting way of looking at it. So let's talk about what alcohol actually is. Let's kick off by saying, you know, what's going on inside our bodies when we when we drink alcohol? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, a, it, there's, there's a few things to, perspectives to look from it. So one is the, obviously, the, the taking of it. Uh, most people drink it, um, of course. Uh, there was a fashion, if you remember rightly, in the, well, I'm a bit older than you, but, uh, uh, where people pouring shots in their eyes and all this kind of stuff. You know, oh, wow. Yeah, whole, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of weird stuff going off in, on holidays in Ibiza. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll tell you about that another time. Uh, but the, uh, but the um, but we drink it and it, it, get, it, it goes obviously uh, into the mouth and then goes down your esophagus, into your stomach, uh, and then a uh, few, few sphincters and into your duodenum and ends up basically in the liver. Um, so you've got, you've got this kind of... Um, without sounding kind of too negative all the time here but you you have got this toxic substance that yeah as we described before you know it's, it's people's choice if they want to drink it or not um going through the system so you've got health pinch points that all of those as, as it's going in and then it hits the liver um i've i've ran liver clinics for for a number of years and this is where most people associate actually alcohol related health harms with the liver we've really got to look broader than that but we'll look at the liver just for a second and that um You've got a chemical called alcohol dehydrogenase in your liver, um, and that can that that helps synthesize the, the alcohol into a, another chemical called acetaldehyde. Now, this acetaldehyde um, is, is the byproduct of the body getting rid of the alcohol. Uh, this, this this fat produced, and that's why people get can get a condition called fatty liver. But there's also this byproduct. Now, the unfortunate thing for the human body is this acetaldehyde is also highly uh, carcinogenic so not only are you putting a carcinogen in your body you're also the the uh, as you're getting rid of it you're also um producing a carcinogen in in, in um, um um as a consequence as well so the body gets rid of gets synthesized and gets rid of it um that way um and and um then you've got the effects actually on the brain of course uh which is the uh so you've got so this is that there's kind of that kind of the functional sort of bits about how the how the alcohol gets rid of so you, you, you've got that going now when you drink alcohol if you can think of your brain being a bit like a seesaw this is not my analogy this is a, this is written about about 50 years ago actually and i always get the person's name right it's heimel back or something like um <laughs> and uh, they, they have used this seesaw analogy but this seesaw analogy has been it's, it's been kind of well proven and it's been it's been well well used and that is that so you, you're drinking your alcohol um, and that actually stimulates um, a, a, a chemical GABA in the brain that calms that calms your brain down. So this is why when you when, for most people when they drink alcohol, they feel that sense of you know calmness, relaxation. Um, as, as people say that 
one of the difficulties of alcohol is we know it's a depressant on the central nervous system, mm. but we're talking about the word stimulant here as well. So, but it's, it's definitely a depressant, but it does stimulate this chemical uh, GABA, and that in, in turn calms that brain down. Then, after about the third or fourth drink, you start blocking a chemical called glutamate. Uh, now, uh, more glutamate means more anxiety. Uh, less glutamate means less anxiety. So remember, this is blocking it. Um, and therefore, you know, you're feeling incredibly relaxed. And this is why when people people go from this a bit relaxed when they're when they're kind of in after a few glasses uh, or after a big glass of wine is here, but after a few drinks, should we say, to when you've when you've had a quite a bit, you feel really a lot less anxious when you've been um when you've been uh, when, when you've been drinking alcohol. Now the what's what of course happens here is that if this seesaw analogy kicks in. Um, and, and this seesaw analogy, uh, it can also, you can also think of it as in, do you know when you kind of have a sugary drink? Um, so you, you shiver drink, you get the sugar rush. But actually, unfortunately, because you've had the sugar rush, rush, the body's producing chemicals to deal with that sugar, and it overshoots the mark. So the same thing, and, and therefore you end up with a potential, a few hours later, uh, you get this dip in your blood sugar because you've had this increase in, in, in your, uh, by taking the sugary drink. So the um, so the with, with, on the brain, because your alcohol has been stimulating GABA, blocking the glutamate, your brain in the seesaw analogy says, actually, I've got to do something to restore the seesaw back to its normal state. So it, it's trying to balance that seesaw out. So it does that by counterbalancing the, 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 GABA, um, the, the GABA and the glutamate levels. Now, oh that's the this is the where the danger we get here about how mm. how alcohol affects your brain, because because the uh, because the seesaw goes the, then the other way. The next day, this is where some people get the increase in anxiety, the increase in a uh, in, in those kind of. The, 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 I think my, my daughter calls it anxiety um, mm. or beer fear, because <laughs> what's happened is the seesaw. The body's had to say, "Hang on, you've been putting this alcohol in the system. It's causing." The imbalance on this side i'm producing a chemical on the other side and this is why people wake up with this uh, added anxiety so it does really we, there's no doubt this is affecting people's brain um and the brain learns to do this and it adapts so it, it kind of so it does it faster so um and this is what you get this is how you get tolerance to alcohol your brain adapts so this is why again using myself as an example i remember being a catering student before i became a nurse um, at clarendon college in uh, nottingham and I remember going, having a few pints, um, had, about, had about three pints of beer when I was about 17. I shouldn't have been doing that, of course, that's naughty. Um, uh, and fell off the bar still drunk. But by the time I, uh, I, uh, I, got, uh, I, I left Huddersfield Poly, um, I, I could be drinking 190 to 210 units of alcohol a week. Mm. So it, it, now that would, that would actually that would kill me now. But what's interesting is that it's how your brain learns to adapt um and it adapts to the situation and so most of you out there and you, you yourself if you drink alcohol um that you you're aware that your brain has adapted to cope with alcohol in this way you know we we learn behaviorally how to deal with the alcohol but we also your brain learns physically how to do it and that process can be un, slightly unlearned as well and that's where you have a drop in tolerance so that's a whistle stop tour sorry <laughs> on, no. a, on a, yeah. 
That was so comprehensive and it actually took me right back, unfortunately, to my university days, Mark, um, <laughs> with, with all the explanation, especially with the glutamine and the different bits. Um, I think yeah. I think one thing that a lot of people will be listening to is they're like, right, so that's how it works. But some people may think, oh, but it affects me differently to my friend. You know, so despite the science there, does yeah. alcohol really affect us uniquely as well? I really do believe it. I mean, I've done over, I've done over three. I mean, I'm a nurse by background, so well, I'm a nurse, so a mental health nurse, um, and I've done over uh, three thousand, well over three thousand assessments of uh, people with alcohol mm. problems. I've been doing this for over twenty years, um, and and it is a very much individual experience, um, and that's that's kind of one of the problems we've got with with alcohol treatment and alcohol. Have I got an alcohol problem? That question, or am I, am I an addict? Is that because it is very much individual, and it it will depend on perhaps your kind of uh, you know your, what's happened to you uh, socially, you know, in your social circles. A bit like so. So you've rightly said there, haven't you, about the when you're at university, you've got all that peer pressure going on, haven't you? You've got all those social factors, but you've also got those kind of personal biological factors there potentially as well. Um, and you, and also you've potentially got. I really strongly advocate for this, as in, when I do an assessment with someone who's, who's developed been developing alcohol problem, there's often a mental health issue there as well. It, it's so common that you know it may be a bit about social anxiety, it may be past trauma. Uh, there may be a, there's normally a background, and alcohol is actually being used as some kind of coping mechanism. So so you, so you, this is the thing about being individual. I really do believe it's, uh, it's, it's very much in, in an individual way. Um, you've got different you've got different theories as well, of course, about how that affects it. So people like some people think that um, again, do, is it affecting me different from a friend's? You will have some people screaming at this podcast right now, and they're just saying it's you know it, it's a disease, you know, so you know it's a disease of the brain, or it's about it's purely about these sort of the, the brain chemicals, uh, you know, the, the chemicals in your brain. I've already described some biochemistry, sort of brain chemistry there, but actually that doesn't actually describe potentially addiction in, in its full, but that compulsion, that, 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 you know, that, that drive to take a substance. You've got, you've got other people who are behavioralists like Jeffrey Shaler is, who will actually say addiction is a choice. People choose to be addicted to things. Uh, it's actually a choice. So now, now again, I, I subscribe to a bit of, all of that really i think when you when you're doing an assessment and you're asking about what is a, a problem does it affect me differently in, in each way it does affect you differently in each way but that depends on a variety a, a variety of those kind of social personal biological factors you know where you're you know where you're living uh, your, your diet as well it, 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 it all it all encompasses it we know that alcohol affects people in poorer communities than it does in 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 the in the, in the kind of middle class communities so um so, so we, for me, yeah, there's, there's a definite, uh, the definite bit about individuality. I suppose to answer your question about, I suppose, have I got, how do I know I'm beginning to get a problem, um, and and that that's the, that that's an intro. I was that's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, um, because it, when I'm seeing people, you know, I was I was based at the um, Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham uh, for a number of years, and uh, you you. You would often think, oh, if only I could get I've got in there a little bit early. We still do things with people who are who are really, you know, really developed uh, a, a larger problem. 
but if we could nip it in the bud and some of that is about yeah having that question with yourself you know how how do i know that i'm developing that kind of problem um and, and we've got some we've got some really kind of um useful tools for that um, um one of them is called the alcohol use disorders identification tool um it's just 10 questions and mo I've, a lot of you out there would have seen that anyway actually they've probably all been asked questions from it so when you start reading it if you if you went on to uh there's lots of websites out there so like on if you go to some uh, website drink coach on there that the, the drink coach will show you will go through that audit questionnaire it's based on the world health organization organization and then what we're the question about where um uh, so am i developing a problem it will you know there's kind of five areas that we look for so one is that compulsion uh, to drink um have you got the strong desire um, or sometimes I say overwhelming uh, desire to take alcohol. Uh, then we you know, we were talking about tolerance. Uh, so uh, another area is about tolerance. Uh, do I need to get an increased dose to get the same effect? So I'm, am I developing a tolerance to this? Another one is around control. So you know, are you um, are you having are you having difficulties controlling um, your, your alcohol behaviour? So and and actually, do you, so you may once you and once you start drinking, you find it hard to stop drinking. The other bit is about withdrawal. And you know that seesaw analogy? If you push that seesaw analogy further, the more that you drink, the more the brain adapts, the more the, that, that balance becomes a bit more aggressive. And this is why people can get um, in a real bad state of alcohol draw. And remember, alcohol draw can kill people. So um, you know, you, you, it's, it's a life-threatening problem, uh, alcohol draw. So we always have to be careful about withdrawal when we give advice about that. And then the other thing is about is about salience. So the, again, I'd, I'd you'd be checking in with myself. And am I, you know, am, am I neglecting? Am I is alcohol becoming? Am I over prioritizing alcohol um, over other interests? You know, they're not quite as clear cut, of course, as um, as they, um, you know, as, as as sometimes people think. So uh, yeah, they're like tolerance. You know, sort of. Um, you know, at what point does does actually is, is the tolerance becoming a problem? And again, probably you find, say, we talk about university, that you, you probably started off with a glass or two of wine or, or beer, uh, and then you you can net quite a lot more, couldn't you, by the end of university life. Um, so uh, it, it's so it, it's a, it's complex, very individual. That's a long answer to that very simple yeah, question. But it's <laughs> but, so but interesting. But this is the fascinating thing about the the whole area of addiction and dependence is. It is fascinating, and and every day is a school day. I used to go in twenty years ago. I would have told you that this is all behaviour, it's behaviour. But actually, I've seen nineteen-year-old people uh, people die of liver cirrhosis, and it typically takes eight to ten years to develop that liver cirrhosis. And and you know, I've seen you see so much, and it you question all the time. Actually, is it that simple? And the answer is, it's not that simple. Gosh, that's so sad. That really struck me when you said that, actually. And I think it is important to remember that this does take lives. And like yes, yes, absolutely. It, it's it's serious, you know, but equally, like you said, it does affect people. That that blew my mind. And the, about the fact that our brain adapts over time, it, it's almost like the human body, it always blows my mind, to be honest, how fascinating it is. <laughs> And then there's also comments that people will make. I'm just trying to think of questions when we were writing mm. this brief that our listeners would want to know from you, Mark, with all your experience. Yeah. Um, also, what type of alcohol? Because I think a lot of people think yeah. if they have a certain spirit, it has 
more of an effect than perhaps having having a glass of wine. Is that true that different types can affect us in a different way as well? Yes, yeah, so this is this is again another really interesting area. So, right, remind me to go through two things: the, the physical bit and the psychological bit. So, yeah. there is a yeah. there's really interesting. So, there's a you, you've got the absorption of alcohol for a start. So, not all alcohol is absorbed in the or ethanol. The molecule, the molecule ethanol, ethanol is 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 that's what we should be talking about is ethanol. So, but of course. When we're talking about alcohol, we, we tend to talk about it in different kind of drinks, different forms, as you, as you say. So we could talk about different strengths. So if we stick to the same strength alcohol here, it's the ethanol or the alcohol in it that is causing the it's, it's causing the, uh, the, the effect. Uh, and now, you, now, you, now you, could, you can get other, other, you can get higher alcohols and methanols in there. So it's knocking around as well. But we're, we're stick to the ethanol. So ethanol is the ethanol that's causing is causing the the you know, the the the, the, uh, the the intoxication in in this case. So so it, it's a, so if you've got a full stomach, for instance, when you you take that drink, if it's if it's the same amount of ethanol in a glass, we've got you know so we've got um so we've got a large glass of wine at about twelve percent um yeah, and then we've got a pint of premium lager um or or a triple scotch yeah so that the you know, triple vodka so they're all, all the same kind of units now if you drink on an empty stomach um the absorption will you'll get you get a higher peak ethanol level so the so you do get a higher tend to get a higher peak ethanol level so the more of the alcohol is going in faster all, all the alcohol is going to go in eventually but actually if you've got a full stomach you've that alcohol that alcohol dehydration is in your liver is also in your stomach as well so you get some absorption and breakdown of the alcohol before it goes in properly um but also um uh but, but also with the alcohol it's you're getting the um um if you're drinking on an empty stomach the alcohol can produce hydrochloric acid and some kind of other stuff to mix mix it together because typically your body likes to absorb alcohol about 18 to 22 percent alcohol by volume so actually, if you're drinking um, tequila shots, etc., and you're mixing it with a kind of soda, sort of carbon dioxide-based drink, it will go in faster um, than uh, than it would do if you're drinking a straight tequila. You the same amount of units. I mean, it, it, it's going to go in faster than that. So, the, so the, there is a, there's an absorption. Uh, there's an absorption bit there as well. So, so, so for if so, physically. It, it would depend. This is why we encourage people to eat before they go out on, uh, you know, if they're going to go out on a binge to eat. So you're going to hold that alcohol up, um, and not, um, and not, not. So you're going to get the, hopefully you're not going to get this rise in the, this blood ethanol level. Because of course, the higher the blood ethanol levels, the more intoxication you may feel, and then the, that loss of self control you may feel as well. And when we're talking to people on drink coach about kind of interventions, I'll often find get them to try and find that, that at what point in their drinking behaviour. Do they feel like they're losing control of the drinking? Um, and that we should, now, some people say very quickly, but other people will say typically on, on drinking, people start losing that control after about half a bottle of wine. So they, they feel like they're, 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 it's really hard then to say no to the next bit. So they've, they've set out the good intentions and do that. So this blood ethanol level is really, really important though, because what we're trying to keep it down for so that you've got, you feel less intoxicated. So you, you've got some physical stuff going on there with that alcohol. But you've got there's some psychological stuff going on as well, um, and and these are 
these are expect called expectancies, and this is where psychology has it has its play, and, and this is why you know the advertising of alcohol is so heavily regulated because people are given nudges in one way way or in a in a in a kind of in an advertising way, so you know you're not meant to associate alcohol with you know fun and all this kind of stuff because of because of this association, but we all have expectancies of what different drinks would do to us, and there's lots of research on this. And that that so that can actually that can actually affect the way that you uh, uh, that, that that you feel the sensation of alcohol. So I'll give you an example. That back in the day, you probably because because you're a lot, lot younger than me, gin used to be called Mother's Ruin. Because right back to Hogarth, you know, gin lane type of thing. You know, that idea that gin was a bad drink. But actually, now gin is quite. You know, is is it, I think they probably it's probably shook off that image, but. But if I think if you go back twenty years ago, if I said what drink makes you miserable when you drink, they'd say gin. Mm-hmm. Now that comes that goes right back to Hogarth today. You know that, that goes right back there. Yeah. And a bit also maybe about how you own you, you've also not not just about how you know our society has done it, but it maybe that that's how you associate it with your own mood as well. So the, there are expectancies on different drinks. There's a, there's other beers that have got nicknames that have got expectancies attached to them or or slang words for them. I won't go into them, but um, and they've got slang words attached to them, and that and that that is probably to do with the again that that is probably to do with more about the the levels of alcohol in that drink, you know, three units of pint rather than perhaps two two and a bit units of pint. So there, there is this kind of um there is this association between uh, psychological association between what drinks do, um and uh, 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 and and how, how it makes them feel. So we can't discount oh it's just psychological because they're there, they're there, mm-hmm. they're real for the person. Uh, yeah. So it, it's a, again, alcohol is a complex thing. I remember getting my mum and dad drunk. One of my first things around alcohol was really fascinating. <laughs> then my mum and dad had a uh, mum and dad again. This is expected about what yeah. alcohol does to you. My 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 mum and dad were uh, uh, they won't mind me saying this, but the uh, but they, they had a dinner party around, and I was getting a bit missed about them. You know, I don't, yeah, I didn't want them to being a health conscious fourteen year old, um, yeah. and a, a bit. Um, I was quite conscious of them about uh, sort of uh, you know drinking too much, but you know they, 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 don't, they don't drink that much. But when they had they had some friends around, so I did. Uh, I remember it was my job. It's just back in the day, going fifty uh, to pour uh, pour out the alcoholic to pour out the drinks for them, which is quite <laughs> odd. It's so odd probably saying that now, isn't it? It's how it's but but what I, what was what I did was that I, I rather than them get um, it, rather than get them um, uh, you know. Worse than you know, getting worse, more worse for wear. I was worried about the health. I, what I would, used to do is I used to dip my finger in the whiskey and pour it around the edge uh, of the glass, and then pour the tonic in uh, or, oh. or, or the mixer in. And I and I did this for gin. And I used to get I, what I was fascinated with. I did it once, and I used to do it all the time. Yeah, God, this is probably the first time I've heard about this. But and I used Brilliant. to get them. I used to watch them getting more and more intoxicated throughout the night, but they weren't drinking. And I thought that was really quite. That was my own little fascinating fourteen. You were doing a study, yeah. You were (laughs) doing your own thing. thing. But it's quite interesting about how, and and you'll see this potential. I know that bar staff. I've worked in bars. I know that bar staff sometimes do that as well. So you know, you 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 know, they'll say uh, they'll they'll do they'll rub alcohol around the edge either from a saucer and that and back in the day. And then you'll what you'll say I've I've put your strong one and that, because the alcohol is on the outside of the glass they taste the alcohol and they go oh that's strong goes yeah put an extra shot in there for you mate um, <laughs> and actually there's there's no alcohol in there at all they've just they just put it around the edge 
Now that that's, that was that was back in the day. It doesn't happen now, of course. But um, but but what you do watch, you observe people getting more and more drunk. Yeah. Um, and now they're not physically well. They are probably getting more and more drunk because the alcohol from the that's being slowly absorbed in to the system. But there's a lot of psychology going on there. Um, and and again, we learn how to psychologically deal with alcohol, don't we? As well, you know that we you do. Think about again back in the day. You, when you had your first drinks, you didn't really know how to react to alcohol and you actually slowly learn how to try and act not drunk in front of your parents or your carers. You know, you, you, um, you learn that quite fast, don't you? I'm not, I'm not drunk. Uh, and you, you learn how, how to mask it. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and that, that happens until you're 50 definitely do you know I'm absolutely just in awe of a how clever you were as a teenager and then b (laughs) the fact that it is so psychological because our our minds are just the most wonderful things and it does make sense why perhaps some people are more prone to these behaviors than others it it definitely it's like the whole nature nurture debate isn't it in a way I guess it's the yeah. same with alcohol, isn't it? What, what makes some people more prone to addiction than others? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and we and I think we we also have to be careful about um, not thinking about them and us as well. Mm. So the, the 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 danger with some of the the the, the terminology we use in it, with addiction, uh, the a word, the a word or the d word. So the d word dependence. I wasn't like when I was a when I was a mental health nurse, my consultant psychiarist uh, worked with said it was the d word. He didn't like even the word dependence, which which is. Which is, which got us challenging. Yeah, I know the reason why I did that. It was to get us to challenge some of the kind of the medical models and that, that kind of nature nurture to actually be more inquisitive, is, yeah. you know, about what's going on, finding finding out what's going on about in people's lives. Um, so, so there, there, there is that. We have to be careful with the language because it, it's easy to say, "Well, I haven't got a problem. I'm not an addict, or I'm not an alcoholic," which I'll use the A word. But then some people will identify the the alcoholic word and find be perfectly fine with it and they, and they, and they actually it, it's good for them to use that term you know they, 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 there's lots of benefits for that so the so i think with the um so we have but we do have to be careful with the uh with some of the terminology we use because we don't want to exclude it and the people we say on see on drink coach are they're on the potential on the journey exploring their relationship with alcohol mm. and i think that's 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 where i like to come from is that when you see me online and at one of the drink coaches, we, we're trying to explore that relationship, as you say. It, now, whether or not it's whether or not it's medical, uh, psychological, that nature nurture thing, is that we're, I, I'm what I'm trying to think about. What, why are you doing? You know, what, what the question is is, is well, what's it all about then? You know, what 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 is your? Yeah, I won't answer that. I won't say that to them like in that way. But but I'm actually thinking. You know, you've done your drink diaries, you're setting goals, you're still struggling a little bit what's all this about what is it really you know and trying to you you, you're inquisitive you're a bit like a detective really 
Um, because as you as you, as your first, one of your first question was about you know about the uh, um, about, we've all got this unique relationship with, yeah. with alcohol, haven't we? Yeah. So yeah, so uh, it, it's, it is a you know it's, it's a, the whole thing's fascinating. And I've, I've been doing it for nearly gone gone. Well, since 1996, I think I've been wow. dealing in this in this side, and uh, uh, and I, I still find the whole area extremely fascinating because it's. Um, well, is it a case been, of the more yeah. you know, the less you know? Do you know what I mean? Like the kind yes, of absolutely, I feel like yeah, it. absolutely, yeah. Some of the questions that, that come up are things like, uh, so you know, if it's a if it's purely a medical thing, a disease of the brain, why why are so many people who are over why are the over fifties now the most more likely to have an alcohol problem? younger people so what triggers what why all of a sudden does the alcohol problem develop if it's a if it's a medical or a, if it's a medical or a disease problem why does that why does it why does it develop later in life all of a sudden now it, it, is it it could be i mean is, is it to do with chemicals in the brain deteriorating and that neuroadaptation or is it more stuff happens to those people so you know i, I know once we see you know when i'm when i'm assessing people over um over 50 often what comes out is they've been recently bereaved or they've had a bereavement you know a, a bereavement so you you could argue is it the is it that sense of loss that's driving the alcohol problem is it the sense of loss that's feeling for that coping mechanism or is it the trauma the scene of that person dying so that's, that's another thing yeah or, it's just like um, there's so but, much in life isn't there that can happen mark yes, i mean yeah and the complications, yeah. like you said, that the psychology and what people lived through, it's lived experiences that can often dictate how we yeah. cope and it can be a coping strategy. Because alcohol yeah. isn't just, we've talked a lot about the social aspect. Um, I'm sure there's elements of peer pressure we haven't mentioned there or, you know, life. But in general, it also affects the heart, doesn't it? It's linked to cancer. It's linked to strokes, yeah. even suicide, psychosis. There's more, yeah. isn't there? There's a lot more than people realise. There is, and I mean, there's, there's, some, there's an interesting, um, there's an interesting analogy here with with alcohol. You know, again, I, I drink alcohol. I don't mind saying that. You know, I've I've, I've had a very challenging uh, relationship with alcohol throughout my life. Uh, but you know, um, and, you know, so which is which is which for me is you know always quite interesting in itself. Yeah. But, so you, 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 I choose to drink in a very much moderate way now. But I am aware, you know, with all the kind of, I suppose, from the knowledge I've got, is that we, we know that the kind of the, the lifetime cancer risk for kind of for me being a man, for in a, uh, you know, a, a, a man, uh, and uh, if you, for those who are female. So if you if you do it, if, if you do, we're all we're about cancer and cigarettes, I suppose that's what I'm groping in at. So yeah. And at the University of um, Southampton, this believe that actually that if you're drinking a bottle of wine a week, that is the equivalent of uh, for a woman ten cigarettes per week in the, mm. for the cancer risk, and for a man, um, it's five cigarettes per week. So, and we, we you know, someone like me who's a non smoker now, the idea of smoking and the cancer risk would be there. We, the reason why I won't want to smoke is got clear cancer risk, but alcohol we don't really talk about that, and, and certainly with the certainly with the breast cancer and um, and the cancer risk is uh, is there it, it really is there as well so um you know the, you know my my family have been unfortunately um we've, we've got um, we've got breast cancer very much in our family mm. um but only one in ten of those cases are actually generally one of ten of uh, ten of breast cancer cases are uh, due to, to genes the rest is to do with potentially lifestyle um, um yeah. so 
So yeah. and there's a huge link there with, um, well, that's huge. There, there is a link there between alcohol and breast cancer. So three alcoholic drinks per week, 15% chance uh, higher risk of breast cancer. Um, so we, we know we know that there's a, there's, a, there's a link there. And we think, again, do you know what I'm talking about, how the, the way that the alcohol gets rid of the, um, the, the in the liver, the, so the, the seat aldehyde is, is a byproduct of that, so alpha dehydrogenase. The, 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 there is also effects on your estrogen levels. So again, this is often why we advise male, af well, all athletes not to drink too much uh, because the, it increases this female estrogen level. Um, so, so that, yeah, if you want to build muscle, um, estrogen actually can uh, have effects on, on the, uh, a negative effect on that. It also has a negative effect for, for, certainly for women on breast cancer as well. So it, it, this is this complexity we've got. and. The, at the same time, for the government side, they've got this kind of complexity of we know that it causes all this damage or this harm. Uh, you know, nearly six thousand people die each year of an alcohol uh, alcoholism problem. Um, and if you again put it in that context of the times we're in at the moment, with certain you know, with, we're a bit obsessed with death rates and graphs. Six thousand is a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then. And over, over half a million uh, people are currently uh, what we call alcohol dependent in this country. Wow. Um, only 16% of them are in treatment. Now, if, enough, if, if you yeah. think about that, some of, this about, some of this is about choice, of course, about getting into treatment. But if I said to you, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a new physical problem out there and, you know, and, we're, we're, and the access is there 16% at the moment um, in, in, in that, for that treatment, you'd go, well, that's appalling. Uh, but actually, that's the case that 84% of people with, uh, Dependents are not in uh, are not in treatment currently. So, um, so there, there is this, there is a kind of there is a there, alcohol is a, co a complex kind of dynamic between the balancing of economics, and mm. it's a bit it's a bit like what we're doing with here in the with, with coronavirus. And at the moment, yeah. is that there is this there is this balance between economics, health, and harms. Um, yeah. Um, and you've got one side, um, so the, so the, you know, I'm part of the Alcohol Health Alliance, where they, they will very much go along that actually we need to do more about about um, uh, you know, making the public aware of alcohol issues, but also getting better treatment. But yeah. on the other side, you'll, you'll see people that obviously there's a huge government income stream as well. Uh, oh, it's so tough. Um, so, I find these kind yeah. of things very difficult. I, I think everybody deserves access to help. And it's something obviously we strive for in this country to do, but there's still such huge um, disparities in, in, like you said, for various different reasons there. And I remember, um, for, for me, I, I used to, um, so I've rented a lot in London in my life. I've, I've moved so many times, I've lost count. But I have lived once with an alcoholic and I actually didn't last very, very long. I had to move out very quickly. And it was very difficult for me to watch somebody spiraling and not, being able to help because unless yeah. the person admits themselves it's a very difficult thing to do do you have any advice before i move on to questions from our listeners mark for anyone out there yeah. that feels they've got a problem or perhaps they're a friend or a family member a, a carer what can they do what are the first steps yeah so the if the if you if you feel so if if some of this resonates what we're talking about here about you know kind of the potential loss of control the over prioritization go and you're you're on uh, uh, yeah you're online go, do do you know do there's lots of there's lots of help there on online but I, I would 
the, 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 you know, obviously we you know, we've got an app called Drink Coach, which 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 is which was developed with, partly with the Department of Health as well. On um, back in the day, about about, about we've been about six or seven years doing that, and um, and and that will that helps you do, you know, monitor your drinks in a in a drink diary way. So, it's, so you got your drink diaries. It's got some tips on kind of how to manage craving, etc. But um, but also, but for me, the, the the starting point was would be to start looking if you again if you're worried about your um, we're drink, worried about your drinking. Yeah, st- document down what you're actually doing, and not not just the amounts. What not not just the amounts, um, amounts you're drinking. I, I'm more interested in, uh, or as interested in why. Uh, why we, don't, we we teach people not to use the word why, <laughs> but um, uh, in in, in, in a, but but I'm interested in you know what is it about? Why did you have that drink on that Tuesday? You know. What 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 did you know, did you need the drink on the Tuesday? You know, if you, you you you're you're alone in that you're alone in the house and you open that bottle of wine up, what was it? What 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 were you trying to achieve by that drinking? And and to explore that, start having to think about exploring that relate you the your personal relationship with alcohol. What is it about alcohol? So we're not being a killjoy here. Not a killjoy, you know that you know. And also set a target as well, and see if you can stick to that target. So. So once you've had a, I've got a baseline, it's really quite interesting when you do drink diaries with people because actually it's so simple and actually that a lot of people find it really hard to recall what they've drank the week before. And actually, if you don't do it on a daily basis, then people forget. You know, I told, I would, I would, it's clear that sometimes when you're doing clinics, then this one will, someone will say, oh yeah, oh I drank, uh, I drank yeah three out of seven days last week. Um, and then they'll go. Oh, actually, I drank on Saturday. I just remembered. So, it, it, so there's not a deliberate misinformation there. I think it's people forget forget that recall. So I document down, but also document down why why that why that drink's been taken. But then when you're setting goals, see if you can. Are you sticking to the goals that you can set for the week before? Uh, you know, so you can plan ahead. And if you're not being able to stick to those goals, um, then have, have it's worth having to think about what's going on there. And then, and then finally, if it, for, for for those people themselves, I, I would I would I'd write do what, what do a simple decisional balance sheet, which is what's good about drinking and what's not so bad about, about drinking, and try and think about what you know why are you concerned about your drinking, or why are others concerned about the drinking as well? Because some people are in this kind of state of ambivalence where they um they they're, they're being told by the partner that, that you ought to stop drinking, and actually they say, well, I'm not, I've got not got a problem. Take a step back and actually um, take a step back and actually think about what what do you think what do you think what what do you think's happening there you know what, you know are you over prioritizing the alcohol over other things you know have they got a, have they got a point be let's be sensible about this have they got a point you know you know so I do do what we call a kind of this what we call a decisional balance sheet on there it's for the, for those people those people who are trying to support others this is you sometimes get this. It depends where what stage they're in with their wanting to get help. So they, they, mm. so we often you'll be aware of this. The sort of Pacheco and Clemente's kind of cycle of change kind of thing. We'll, we'll have some yeah. people a lot of pre-contemplative. Yeah. You know, they're they're not in. They don't even see it as a problem. They're, you know, they're, they're not there. You know, not there at all. And then we've got other people that are contemplative, and then you know, people are preparing change and making change. So we've got people all in that cycle. So so it will depend on where that person is in that cycle. Uh, change. I would always say though, do your homework. So even so, if you've got someone who say 
pre-contemplative. Just find out where the hour call services are, uh, you know, in the area. Find, just, you know, you, nudge people in the right, nudge, nudge. Don't, don't finger point and wag. Mm. You, you, you slowly nudge people into the kind of, the, you know, the slowly sort of point, pointing things out. So, so one of the, I'm a big believer in striking when the eyes hot on this kind of thing. So if, someone's, if there's a glimmer of motivation there, this is where you need to know where all the alcoholics or, or you know your GP surgeries or your or your online services are. I mean, at, at the moment, there's loads of online help out there uh, to get to get support. And there's there's also really good uh, support for uh, carers out there as well. Uh, but for me, I know that's a long answer to. So it it will depend on where people are in 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 that cycle of change. But I, I find that confrontation doesn't work because you end up. You end up. Uh, I've got. Uh, well, I've, well, I've, 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 I've got three teenagers. I was going to say one, one's now older than a teenager. But um, if you start being parent, parental here and saying you must do this, you must do that, you can you'll end up with away. the arms crossed. Yeah, yeah push them away. Yeah. It's not going to work. You're not going to have that conversation. Uh, no, I think um, pushing people away is something that people are probably scared to do as well. I would say that. Even we have the same thing with um, poor relationships with food in the nutrition clinic. It's it's a very um, oh it's it's sensitive. I think that's the word to use to just describe this is that it's a sensitive issue yeah. as well. And like you said, it depends where people are within that stages of change model. If they're even aware of it, are they ready or thinking about making a change? Where are they at? That takes me back there as well. But I do need yeah. to move on to some questions from our listeners. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, it's very difficult, of course, to offer bespoke advice, um, especially yeah. on a topic like this. But I've picked out one or two here, actually, that I think you might be able to answer um, ethically. So Kimberly has said, is red wine actually good for you? And I thought that's a classic. Yeah. You know, you, that's an important yeah. one to ask. <laughs> Yeah, so so you'd be better off with pomegranate juice or grape juice, to be honest, uh, because the, it's the ethanol that causes the mitigates all, all of the uh, all of this um, good for you. I mean, and and where's one pick this? Actually, sorry, just give you another long answer. Where's one pick you? What's good for you? Yeah, so always saying physically good for you. So you know, for some people, the the, the occasional glass of red wine it for for them is it it helps them relax, it helps them socialise. Not, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but actually, you know, it, you know, it, 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 they would describe that there, there's a, there may be a psychological benefit, benefit for that. So that's how some people might describe it. Physically, though, we are, we're really assured now that that alcohol is, uh, you know, on the World Health Organization's, you know, classification of carcinogenic substances, it, it, that trumps everything. So we can't, we don't give out advice about, we, you know, so we don't give out advice about safe drinking anymore. Mm. We, you know, we, we talk about low risk levels because actually no alcohol is uh, with, without uh, with, without risk. Lulu has asked, Mark, so this will be the last question I think we've got time for, but she yeah, said, I, I don't drink masses and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, probably a couple of glasses of wine a week, but should I be having less to keep it under 14 units? Well, the, 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 the advice is that if you go above that, if you get above that 14 units, then you start getting into that kind of more, significant kind of health harms so that so the, the 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 less you drink is better uh physically um i i but i'd also look at kind of are you look at, again look at that relationship about what it is around about the alcohol it's not you know it, it's um 
are you drinking all the 14 units on one night? I'm not saying you are, but, 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 but you know, what are you doing? Are people are you consuming it in a binge way? Because the, the problem with talking about 14 units in that way, some, most people don't know what 14 units looks like or 14, but, but, but as well, that's the other thing. Um, but you, it's best to spread that out the week. So it also depends on how long you spread it out the week. So having days off and spreading it thinly throughout the week with those days off rather than saving up your 14 units for a Friday or Saturday night binge or, or split it up on a Friday or Saturday for a couple of binges. Remember a binge, uh, anything over six units. So you could have two binges in there and a and a, a few sips of wine on another night. So exactly. um, you, you, so it, it's, it's trying to think about it and is how you're doing the drinking and what what that relationship with alcohol is when you're doing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I don't. No. Be, I, I never want. I I drink alcohol. I'm not gonna be. I don't. Never want to sound like a a a, a killjoy on this. But I, I I I do see people develop problems all the way along. And actually, if you're asking the question about should I cut down, perhaps there may be some. Um, there may be some kind of already kind of. The, the you know the, the motivation that that you might be around that cycle of change thinking perhaps I should be thinking about drinking down and, and it'd be interesting to explore the reasons why you think you need to be cutting down as well so the, yeah mm -hmm. so again sorry long answer to that but uh yeah, that's right <laughs> no that sounds really balanced and fair and this is a hard bit for us to do Mark but we're going to do a fact or fiction round are you ready yes Okay, so if you could answer fact or fiction, I know there's a lot of nuance, do the following. Number one, alcohol is linked to weight gain. Absolutely true. Um, all alcohol is a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant on the central nervous system. There we go. Addiction has increased over the past 10 years. Depends how, as we said before, depends how we describe addiction, there we go. The quality of your sleep will be affected by drinking alcohol. Absolutely, yes. Mm. So that, you know, so, so um, you, your body um, uh, normally likes about three to seven cycles of rapid eye movement sleep, um, and alcohol being a depressant sends you straight into the deep sleep. People forget that the rapid eye movement sleep is the lighter sleep. These cycles of light sleep, alcohol gives you that deeper sleep, which is, which is not, which actually is not benefit, not so beneficial. This is why you can wake up tired after the night before. There we go. Um, time is the only cure for hangovers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, the, the, the prevention is the only cure for <laughs> hangovers. But preventative approach, but if you've got a hangover time and yeah. rest, um, uh, yes, is, that probably answers no, the yeah. next one as well, Mark. Always eat before drinking alcohol. Yes, as I said before, remember that. Remember that uh, we're trying to lower down the peak blood ethanol level there. There's also that feeling of being full as well, and also that time for that alcohol dehydrogenase in the stomach to start working on the, uh, to break down the alcohol. Mark, I think that was a wonderful fact or fiction round because it's so informative and. I think instead of me waffling on to end the podcast, because this is your area and I can tell how experienced, passionate, knowledgeable you are on this subject. I think to leave our listeners with a food for thought today, my very quick one would probably be that remember that there's different cultural reasons why people do or don't drink. There's different things going on in your life. You can't judge a book by its cover. You never know what is going on. Yeah behind the scenes and that's something that impacts everybody and you don't know what childhood someone's had that there's all sorts of all sorts of reasons 
that if you choose to drink, just try and um, remember what Mark has said to you in this podcast today, that there is no miracle. Every Christmas time, I'm asked to do a press feature on foods that help relieve a hangover and things like that. (laughs) It comes out every year and I always end up saying, well, no, you can't cure a hangover. There's no miracle, basically. It, It just don't do it in the first place is the boring, horrible answer, but we all drink and enjoy a bit every now and again. Mark, if you could leave our listeners with a take-home food for thought today, you've been so wonderful, what would that be? It really, really is just, if you if you need some support, just really do sort of reach out and get something. You, you'll talk to someone like me, and hopefully I'll come across as you know, <laughs> someone who's keen to support you. And of course. It's that early intervention, and if you're really struggling, get help as well, you know, we're here to help. and, uh, we're, and Lots of people are aware of the complexities that life throws at people. So get get that support in early if you can do. If you know, so that that that'd be my take home message. Oh, Mark, thank you. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you, or um, what services would you recommend? Any take homes quickly? Yeah, so we're, we're part. I, I work for a charity called Humankind, and uh, we have a service called Drink Coach, which offers uh, a website, an app. But um, that was something you can do that audit screening tool on it, um, and also then you can um, get appointments that way as well. So we've got some areas where the appointments are free, and then some areas where the appointments are paid for. Um, so so but the uh, yeah so that that that's where you go for. Um, and then if not, um, if if you if you want to go away from drink coach, then you there's, there's, there's things like uh, Alcohol Change UK that we've got a really good list of sites as well. But mo- most of the information is on that drink coach. Uh, website with some tips to cut down etc and it's been all of that website has actually been co-produced as we call it so it's it comes from our service users the app has been going now for six or seven years and we get feedback from it and we make those changes on that app so it's, it's all it's all done via service users and recommendations that way because that's 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 the that's what it should all be about the person using the service not about us professionals oh, mark I I don't even know what to say. I feel like I should do another episode actually with you on something like this because it, it there's too much to cover actually and there's a lot more I know we could have discussed but it was so informative and I can't thank you enough for your invaluable time today. Really good talking to you. Brilliant. Thanks for coming on Feed for Thought. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week so make sure that you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. If you have time to, we'd really appreciate it if you want to leave a review so that we can reach those higher highs in the charts and hopefully help more people. That is our mission here with this podcast. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, the books, healthy recipes and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. 